Welcome into Locked On Blackhawks. Today is Thursday, July 23rd, 2020. I am your host, Jack Bushman, tuning in for the 174th episode of Locked On Blackhawks. As always, be sure to subscribe to the podcast for free wherever you listen to your podcasts, whether that be through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, etc. And you'll be able to get the latest episode as soon as it comes out each day, so please make sure to go do that. Also, be sure to go follow the Lockdown Blackhawks Twitter page, which can be found at capital L, capital O, underscore Blackhawks, as some good stuff will be posted there daily as well. Alright, to kick off the show today, I want to talk about the big news coming out of Blackhawks training camp this afternoon, which was Captain Jonathan Taze and defenseman Connor Murphy and Calvin DeHaan finally returning to the ice after previously being deemed unfit to participate. So, Taze and DeHaan both were full participants at practice this afternoon, but Murphy did exit after taking part in drills before the scrimmage, but it was great to see all three guys finally back on the ice. We saw Connor Murphy skate by himself a little bit before the team hit the ice, and then he joined in as the team did a, a couple of drills this afternoon. And then we saw Jonathan Taze and Calvin DeHaan both back in the normal swing of things, joining the team for practice and in this afternoon's scrimmage. We saw Taze back in his normal spot on the top line with Alex Abrinkit and Brandon Saad. And then Murphy and DeHaan joined the existing group of Duncan Keith, Adam Boquist, Ole Mata, Slater Cuckoo, Lucas Carlson, Brent Seabrook, Nicholas Bodan, and Nick Sealer as the Hawks' 10 defensemen that were at practice. So they mixed and matched their D pairings there a little bit with so many guys on the back end available this afternoon. But you would expect Connor Murphy and Calvin DeHaan to be paired together come Game 1, which is Saturday, August 1st, against the Edmonton Oilers in an effort to try and slow down the high-powered Edmonton Oilers offense led by Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. So, really good to see all of those guys back at the Blackhawks training camp this afternoon. Even though Murphy wasn't able to go in the scrimmage, you know now that he is just a couple of days away. So, uh, it would be interesting to see if there more comes out about why they were absent, whether it was just for resting purposes or if they were dealing with an injury or if they just so happen to be one of the two players that did test positive for COVID-19 recently. So we'll see what happens later this week if they touch on that subject at all. But overall, good to see most of the boys back at practice today, except for goaltender Corey Crawford, who is still unfit to participate and has yet to make an appearance at Blackhawks training camp so far. But as I talked about on yesterday's episode... Blackhawks general manager Stan Bowman did say that the team is still cautiously optimistic that Crawford will travel to their hub city of Edmonton on Sunday, but if he does not, then he'll likely be left off the final postseason roster, and the team will be forced to go with either Malcolm Subban, Colin Delia, or Kevin Lankin in a net for their postseason run, which does not give them a very good chance of going far. So, to quickly talk about what went down at training camp this afternoon... We saw the Hawks go with their normal forward lines of Debrinket, Taze, and Saad as the top line, Nylander, Strom, and Kane as the second, Kubalik, Doc, and Kajula as the third, and then Carpenter, Kampf, and Highmore as the fourth, with Brandon Hagel, Philip Kirishev, and Dylan Sakira serving as the fifth and extra forward line. As I talked about earlier in the episode, the Hawks had 10 defensemen at practice today, so they mixed and matched their defensive pairings a little bit throughout the drills. 
And then they broke into Team Red and Team Black, as they have for all of the scrimmages so far, with Team Red picking up their first win of camp with a goal from Philip Kirishev. And then Dylan Strom tied the score for Team Black with 2.8 seconds left on a redirect from a Slater Cuckoo shot. But ultimately, Team Red prevailed thanks to shootout goals from Dylan Sakira and Brent Seabrook, of all people, who pulled off the slowest forehand backhand deke of all time, but somehow got it past Matt Tompkins for the conversion, which of course got a good laugh out of all the boys. So... A competitive, low-scoring scrimmage this afternoon as we saw some solid goaltending out of Malcolm Subban and Colin Delia, which is something we'll also need to see if the Hawks want to somehow upset the Oilers without two-time Stanley Cup champion Corey Crawford in the crease. Alright, I think that takes care of all the news from Blackhawks training camp on Thursday. Now it's time to talk about Seattle's NHL franchise finally selecting a name and also Jonathan Taze's comments on the rumor that he voted against the NHL's return to play plan. This is the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network your team every day. Thanks for listening today. I am your host, Jack Bushman. Be sure to check out my personal Twitter page at JackBushman2 and my Blackhawks Twitter page at TalkinHockey for all the latest Blackhawks news and updates. Also, be sure to subscribe and follow the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast for free wherever you listen to your podcasts and also on Twitter to get the latest episode as soon as it comes out each day. Alright, so we just finished talking about all the news from Blackhawks training camp on Thursday. Now it's time to talk about Jonathan Taze's comment on the rumor that he voted against the NHL's return to play plan. So, Taze returned to the ice on Thursday after missing practice on Tuesday and the second half on Monday because he was ruled unfit to participate. And he elaborated afterwards saying that his absence was nothing really serious and it was just due to maintenance. But the Blackhawks captain also was asked about a report that surfaced last week, which didn't catch a lot of attention at first until uh, Elliot Friedman and a couple Blackhawks beat reporters touched on it on Wednesday, which was that the Blackhawks were one of two teams, along with the Carolina Hurricanes, that voted against the NHL's return to play plan and the new CBA extension during the NHL's Player Association Executive Board vote. So, Taze uh, talked about this in an interview on Thursday. So, just to be clear, Taze is the Blackhawks' uh, representative, and according to the NHL's, uh, according to the NHLPA's website, these representatives manage the interests of their teammates. So, Taze was speaking on behalf of the Blackhawks, all Blackhawks players, during this um, vote, and when Taze was asked about it, he denied that he was one of the two players to... Uh, turned down the NHL's return to play plan, saying that I don't know where he got that from. Taze talking about where Fr- Elliot Friedman got that information. Taze also said, "I'll be completely honest. I don't know how much I want to get into my re- my reasons why, but I wasn't one of the guys who voted no. I voted yes. If anything, I kind of wanted the guys in our room to educate themselves on what was going on to the best of their ability and ultimately make their own decision. 
But deep down, I wanted guys to really think about voting yes. That's where I stood. So I don't know where that came from and maybe who gave the impression that I voted no. Now, it's important to note that the NHLPA executive board vote and the league-wide player vote were two separate categories. So it's possible that the Blackhawks were one of the two teams that voted no, but Taze himself did vote yes during the full membership vote. Or maybe if Taze was one of the players who voted no, then he is just being a, gold, a good soldier by addressing this report without making waves because the reality is it doesn't matter anymore. The, the NHL is going to start up postseason hockey come August 1st. We're seeing good things come from the test results. All the teams are able to practice right now without any training camps being forced to close or anything. So regardless, it doesn't really matter if Taze did vote yes or no because hockey is still going to return. But it's just interesting to hear that uh, a guy like Elliot Friedman, who is so respected around hockey news and the game of hockey, and doesn't really report false things too often. He's a guy who, when he does make reports, I- I've heard him talk on podcasts before how seriously he takes this and how he doesn't want to be uh, a guy that comes out with false news. So maybe, maybe as I just said, maybe it did happen that Taze... Uh, voted no for the Blackhawks while he was representing them, but he did vote yes during the full membership vote himself. But it was just kind of interesting to hear that Taze was asked about this, and he denied it right from the get-go. So Taze also spoke about how there is a potential for fans not to be in attendance at the start of the 2020-2021 season. And he talked about how there's no real perfect scenario and how – it's it's hard to talk about what's going to happen in the next couple of months because there's just so many question marks up in the air. We didn't know what was going to be happening the last three or four months or so. Everything was just kind of wait and see. We'll play it by, play it by year. So that's kind of where we're at right now with the 2020-2021 season as far as uh, whether or not fans are going to be in attendance. But Taze did say that he hopes that there will be fans in the United Center at some point next season because he knows how much Blackhawks hockey means to the city of Chicago. So hopefully all this COVID stuff will be gone by next December as it would be really tough to kick off the 2020-2021 campaign without any fans in attendance. Okay, I think that covers all the news from Taze's post-practice interview on Thursday. Now I wanted to be sure to quickly discuss Seattle's NHL franchise finally announcing their team name as they have officially released the Kraken up in Seattle. That's right, hockey fans. The 32nd NHL franchise will officially be the Seattle Kraken, which beat out a couple of other popular name options like the Seattle Sockeyes and Seattle Metropolitans. And personally, I like the team name, and I also really like their sweaters with the big S in the middle shaping kind of like a Kraken with the red eye with some really cool blue and red involved as their main colors. So I think that Seattle did a really good job coming up with an awesome name and logo, and although I'm sure there will be some jokes involved with their name, like I figure Twitter's going to go crazy with their fans calling themselves the Crackheads or something, but I do think this was the best name option for the franchise, and I am really excited to see their roster makeup come the expansion draft next summer. Now, I've already talked a little bit about some players that Seattle could take from the Hawks, Come the expansion draft on some previous episodes, guys like Brandon Saad, Ole Mata, and Connor Murphy are definitely a couple of the top options for Seattle, 
But with the NHL salary cap set to stay at $81.5 million for each of the next three years, I fully expect the Hawks to be very active in each of the next two offseasons. So I am sure that there are going to be a handful of roster changes from the Blackhawks before Seattle's on the clock next summer. All right, I think that wraps up what I wanted to talk about on the Seattle Kraken, which is now officially the NHL's 32nd franchise. All right, I think that takes us to our daily segment here on the podcast, which is regular season recap, where I recap one of the Blackhawks' 2019-20 regular seasons, just as a bit of a refresher on how they did this year before the best-of-five playing series versus the Edmonton Oilers. Jack Bushman, your host of the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast. You can reach me on Twitter at JackBushman2 or at Talkin' Hockey, or you can also email the Lockdown Blackhawks email, which is LockdownBlackhawks at gmail.com for any questions you have about the show, myself, or anything that has to do with the NHL's 2014 postseason that's set to take place in a little over a week. Okay, so we just finished talking about the Seattle Kraken, as well as Jonathan Taze's post-practice interview on Thursday. Now it's time for our regular season recap segment, with today's feature being Blackhawks 19-year-old rookie Adam Boquist. So, after spending a few seasons in Sweden's junior hockey loop and bouncing between leagues throughout his draft year, Adam Boquist made the jump to North America to play for the London Knights of the Ontario Hockey League for the 2018-19 campaign, and oh man, did he go on to have one hell of a year up in Canada with 60 points in 54 games, 20 goals, and 40 assists, which was the six most points of all defensemen in the entire league. And following that successful season, Boquist apparently felt comfortable enough to make the jump to professional hockey after only just one season in the OHL. So heading into the 2019-20 season, the expectation for Boquist was that he would spend a vast majority of the season with the Rockford Icehogs of the American Hockey League. And that was precisely where he began the year, but after only one month with the team, he was recalled by the Blackhawks. I don't know if you guys heard that meow in the background. There's my my friend's cat, Mr. Meow, in the background. Shout out to the cat real quick. But back to Boquist. Uh, so after only one month with the Rockford Icehogs of the AHL, he was recalled by the Blackhawks to make his NHL debut on November 2nd against the Los Angeles Kings, and then in the next game on November 3rd against the Anaheim Ducks, Bokos went on to roof a shot for his first NHL goal to give the Blackhawks an early 1-0 lead against Anaheim in that contest. So, the Blackhawks' top defenseman prospect played six games with the club before unfortunately being reassigned to the Icehogs on November 13th. Although, much like his first stint down in Rockford, Boquist was not there for long as he was recalled by the Hawks for a second time on December 9th, retroactive to Andrew Shaw being put on long-term injured reserve. So, Boquist would go on to remain up at the NHL level for the rest of the regular season. So, he finished his AHL, uh, to- finished his AHL season total with 15 games for 6 points, 1 goal, and 5 assists between his two stints with the Ice Hawks. With the Blackhawks losing both Calvin DeHaan and Brent Seabrook to season-ending injuries in mid-December, 
Boquist actually went on to become a key piece of the team's defense in the second half of the year. He spent most games alongside two-time Norris Trophy winner Duncan Keith on the team's top defensive pairing, which is one of the best positions for any young defenseman to be in. Don't find many better spots than that. Two-time Norris Trophy winner, three-time Stanley Cup champion, 2015 Conn Smythe Trophy winner, a gold medal winner. So Duncan Keith's been there, done that. He's done it all. So really, no better mentor for Adam Boquist to have as he's kind of getting his feet wet and adapting to the NHL. So... In total, Boquist went on to play in 41 games for the Hawks this season, recording four goals and nine assists for 13 points with a minus three plus minus rating. He also averaged 16 minutes and 13 seconds of time on ice on the year, but in stretches, the 5'11", 180-pound blue liner was consistently racking up 18 to 22 minutes per night, getting some really solid minutes under his belt, and although it Maybe a little early. I don't think the Blackhawks expected Boquist to be racking up 20 minutes a night as a 19-year-old. But here we are, and he, he was fairly impressive. So it's not like he was uh, overstepping his limits by um, averaging that time that average time on ice per game. So looking at some of Boquist's other statistics, and he impressively had the fewest penalty minutes of any Blackhawks player that played in over 40 games a season with only six penalty minutes. Boquist also led all Blackhawks defensemen with an 8 shooting percentage, and his four goals were only two off of Eric Gustafson for the team lead. As for Boquist's possession numbers, they were about as expected with a 47.9 Corsi percentage, while starting in the offensive zone 59.2% of the time at even strength. He is more of an offensive-minded defenseman, so those numbers do make sense. The 19-year-old blue liner was on the ice for 29 goals for to 32 against at even strength as well, so... Not bad at all for a guy who was kind of slandered for his defensive play in the offseason and while he was in London. Everyone was hyping him up about his offensive potential, and people know what he can do from just like some of his highlight goals he scored. But there has been a worry about how Boquist would be able to handle NHL players in the defensive zone, and I think he did really well for being an undersized defenseman at just 19 years old in this first NHL season. Uh, He played the puck well in the defensive zone. I thought his choices were great. His outlet passes were strong for the most part. And it didn't look like Duncan Keith was carrying him. I mean, there were clearly points where Boquist would make mistakes and it was just a little bit of a learning experience for him. But that's going to come with playing such a young defenseman at the NHL so early. So I think he handled uh, the experience really well. And personally, I thought he played better defensively than I expected. So I was really happy with what I saw out of Adam Boquist in the defensive zone this year. As for Boquist's top uh, top performance of the season, that was likely in the Blackhawks' fourth-to-last game of the season on March 3rd against the Anaheim Ducks, who he apparently loved to play against in his rookie campaign. As, while skating with Keith on the top pairing, Boquist tallied two assists, two blocks, one shot on goal, and a plus-three plus-minus rating in 20 minutes and three seconds of time on ice. Boquist only had one other multi-point contest on the year, so that's probably why this was his top performance of the year. And that came just two days later to tie his season-long point streak of three games. So overall, Boquist was indisputably impressive during his first NHL season. Not only were his offensive numbers some of the best among all Blackhawks defensemen, but he was also much better than everyone expected him to be in the defensive zone. Coming into his first professional season, there was... As I said, there was never much doubt about how Boquist's offensive abilities would translate to this level, but there were worries about how would how he would be able to d- defend against grown men in the dirty areas. 
but so far in his short NHL career, Boquist has been able to handle his own on defense, and he looked capable of handling a top-four role for the Blackhawks even at such a young age. Look for Boquist to be paired with Duncan Keith once again for the Blackhawks' best-of-five series against the Edmonton Oilers, as they've been paired together for basically every practice since Phase 3 of the NHL's return-to-play plan kicked in last Monday. All right, so I think that is going to wrap up Blackhawks' 19-year-old defenseman Adam Boquist regular season recap, and also Thursday, July 23rd's episode of Lockdown Blackhawks. Thank you again for tuning into the show, and as always, make sure to give the Lockdown Blackhawks Twitter page a follow at capital L capital O underscore Blackhawks, as some really good stuff will be posted there every day. Also, be sure to subscribe and follow the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast for free right now on your favorite podcast app, and you'll get the latest episode as soon as it comes out each day. And after the show, ask your smart device to play the Lockdown NHL podcast for all the latest news about the return to hockey on August 1st. Thank you again for tuning into today's episode. I am your host, Jack Bushman. You can catch me on Twitter at my personal account, at JackBushman2, or my Blackhawks account, at Talkin Hockey. For any questions at all regarding anything related to the Lockdown Blackhawks podcast, you can always email LockdownBlackhawks at gmail.com or call 708-653-0572 to leave a voicemail. So until tomorrow's episode, I hope you guys enjoy the rest of your day, and thank you again for listening.